The future belongs to those who control the culture, and the culture belongs to those who control the conversation. So we are having the conversations you wish you could have at church to build a safe and vibrant community. This is the Oz Table Talk podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Oz Table Talk. My name's Luke. I'm sitting at the table with Ben, Ore, Dave, and Steve. Good G'day. evening. Evening. What's up, guys? Evening. <laughs> you, <laughs> you really like doing that, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I've got to do it. Trademark. He's just yeah. a natural. Trademark. He's a natural in front it's of like Casey Neistat with the, with, the, with the sunglasses. It's like all these people that have their, their trademark thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> he just looks yeah. down the barrel and does his gang signs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You, you do you, bro. Just, yeah. just embrace I've gotta, it. I've got to do yeah. it. You know? Embrace I've gotta, it. I've got to do it for the people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. If it doesn't happen, they're going to complain. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to be all over that. And no one has seen any of this yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they'll complain anyway. They'll complain anyway. That's right. Uh, so how is everybody? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Yeah. 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 I'm Happy. all right. Oh, oh. oh, he's only all right. <laughs> Honestly, like I'm, I'm not really enjoying my current placement. Yeah. To be honest, so I'm just kind of like just going through it, trying to make the most of it. So mm. countdown. Just, yeah. How many weeks? Six more weeks. Yeah. To be honest, that's the only solace I'm, I'm getting from it. That's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, it's gone really quickly. <laughs> yeah. So you know, like you just go through things that it's like, oh, this is not so interesting. Or yeah. You know, so I mean, I'm in that phase at the moment. Yeah, I, I, that's yeah. understandable for sure. Hmm. Mm. I've had a good week. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Lots of lots of busy week. Lots of things happened. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was flying on Sunday, which was good. Mm-hmm. Did uh did did three circuits, uh, takeoff and landings, all by myself, which was well, like I had the instructor in the back, but yeah. I did everything, which was good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and then I had a fire on the Sunday afternoon. That went to, which was as in like a bonfire or as like in a, yeah. So I like uh I'm part of the fire brigade, so we went to a a, okay. a rural fire. Which was, it was good and bad in the sense that it's bad that someone's property's on fire, but it was good in the sense that we haven't been out for a while, so it was just good to freshen up. Mm. Um, yeah, and then Red School this week mm-hmm. presented, oh, we tied in touch, and then I presented my you research. You tied in touch at Red School? No, sorry, yeah, no, so many things. <laughs> sorry, man. Yeah, no, Tuesday night we tied our touch game, yeah. and we've oh. lost every other game, so like we tied, I was so yeah. stoked. And then, yeah, I know. Celebrate like it's a win. Oh, yeah. no, literally it is. Yeah. <laughs> you were saying before, they're like the best team in the league, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was pretty good. And then, yeah, I got to present my research to the, well, the rest of the class, I guess, and to the wider academic community, mm-hmm. which is that's cool. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome for peer review. Yeah. Uh, no, it's just, it's, it's undergrad. Come on, all right. <laughs> no one actually cares. <laughs> I don't know. You were telling me they were ready to sign the sheet for to buy one. Oh, so. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like in the academic world, no one actually cares. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right, mate. You're 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 doing it for the practical world, so mm-hmm. success. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. You're getting close to finish now, aren't you? Yeah, I have three more units after this. Yeah. So good. Cool. It's great. Mm-hmm. No, my work was pretty good. So mine was fairly full. Quite simply, getting the studio finished. So mm. I'm, I'm very. Very glad that at least I mean there's plenty of stuff to do in here still, but uh, at least you know the flooring is down. We're in here. We're recording here, so that's that was my goal for this week, and we're here, so I'm happy about that. I noticed your fingers look like you've been working with 
glue and yeah sharp edges and <laughs> yeah the the flooring that we used in here uh, for those who can't see it is uh, vinyl plank which looks like timber but isn't but uh, they the edges of them are actually really quite hard and sharp and I remember the the guy that when we purchased them the guy said it's hard on the hands but you know you can do it it's you can DIY right and uh, and when he said that I thought oh you know yeah, okay sure I'll be right <laughs> <laughs> lots of things are hard on the hands yeah but. <laughs> uh, Literally, the the night I finished, I went I went up to the house and I and I wasn't you're not paying attention when you're working, right? Your hands are just sore, but you're not paying attention. I got up and I, and when I got into the the proper lights up there, I looked at my hands and I thought they don't even look like they belong to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they were so red and there was like blisters on like most of the pads of my fingers, and I, and I was just like, oh, no wonder they feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> They look heaps better then. Yeah, they, they, they look heaps better than they were before. Uh, <laughs> All I noticed is just a little bit of skin, flaggy skin on those hopsy fingers. I was like, oh. Yeah. But yeah, I can sort of see a little bit of remnants of blisters there now. Yeah, yeah. well, that, that, the most of that was on, on Sunday night. So um, so it's had you know, a few days. Yeah, yeah. Four, four, four or five days too. Mm. And if it's an area of the body that heals quite well, yeah. FYI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Yeah. 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 That's it. That's it. Uh, no, that's good. So, uh, just to, to get to our... Uh, I'm not, not meaning to skip you, Ben, actually. Did you... Have, am I cutting you off or are you... It's about the usual. Tax stuff. Good lifting. <laughs> Living the dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no surprises. Okay, gotcha. Well, uh, Living the dream. Living the dream, yeah. Taxes, tax. living the dream. Lifting that's ways. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need to get to my tax. Uh, okay, so uh, what I was going to say was the icebreaker question that we have for tonight is, what is the last interesting thing you learned? Well, I'll go first this time. <laughs> okay. So I spent the weekend with, with my in-laws, mm-hmm. and one of the last things we did on the Sunday was we actually sat down and made a worm farm. Oh, okay. So we made a couple of worm farms because Tiff's brother from Brisbane was up, so... We made two of them. So. <laughs> Standard family activities. Oh, your brother's here. We know you Oh, tips. When we all get together, tips. Parents really love doing gardening things. Yeah. So yeah. and yeah, they they made it for them for their worm farm. They made it out of a bathtub. Yeah. So it was a really really big one. But um, yeah, we got a little mini one. So I might actually yeah stock that with dirt and actually put some worms in there. Nice. Cool. So yeah, productive. Mm. Yeah, certainly not what I was thinking you were going to say. And something you learnt recently? (laughs) Yeah, how to make a metal worm farm? (laughs) Well, get some nice, um, some nice soil out of it. So I'm pretty happy with it. And the the water you get out of it from the worms is really good fertilizer. So yeah, I I learned a lot. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, there's a lot to learn. See, I was expecting you to say like some new like tax code. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone was expecting that. (laughs) Yeah. So what did you learn? Yeah, I mean, in my current term, um, we deal a lot with like end of life care. And so it's been really interesting just to kind of get an idea of how to really take care of patients that are in that final stage of life. And I learned something interesting about certain classes of medications and how they double up as not just treating the symptom, but also treating like the anxiety associated with that symptom. Um, So yeah, like for example, a patient who's like struggling with, you know, shortness of breath and, you know, they're heading to that stage where they're struggling to breathe and they're breathing quite heavily and Mm -hmm. and profusely. You can give certain medications that if you give the right dose, you can actually not just treat 
the shortness of breath, but also treat that anxiety associated with the shortness of breath as well. And that by so doing, you make them comfortable. So they're not, you know, that overwhelming sense of fear isn't crippling them. And, you yeah. know, which is, which we can imagine would be quite nasty yeah. at that time of life. Mm. So, yeah. So it's a lot of other medications that are like that, that are kind of like you kill two birds with one stone. It's just yeah. like, oh, okay, I'm going to keep that in a memory bank whenever yeah. I come across in the future patients you know because palliative care is such a i really have a lot of admiration for people who do that kind of work like it's very it's it's very much an art and to do that in a way that is you're not just treating the patient's symptoms and often you're, you're treating them also for the sake of your family because mm-hmm. you can imagine if you're a family member watching someone who's passing away it's gonna be quite confronting seeing mm-hmm. them like really like he- heavily yeah. breathing or whatever they're doing towards that end of life yeah and and it's just interesting how like sometimes you're just doing it for them as mm. well. So it's mm. it's quite quite a unique perspective. Yeah, wow. mm. Mm. It's me to top that one, eh? Yeah, I don't think that, I don't think we should try to top it. No. <laughs> yeah, heavy. Yeah. Does, does it have to be? Did you say interesting? Yeah, it's an interesting. <laughs> to, interesting to who? To me? Or? Yeah. Okay. So I learned this week how to uh, calculate pore water pressure in seepage paths underneath, like in soil underneath say a structure so let's say you've you've built a dam a dam wall and you've got a porous material underneath the dam so the water will actually seep slowly underneath the dam wall and it'll actually come up on the other side it's interesting how it works it takes like a a parabolic shape or a back to the surface and you can calculate the pore water pressure at any point in the pathway in the seepage Mm -hmm. paths Hmm. Um, and that's how they determine whether or not the the structure that's built on top of the soil uh, will be able to to maintain stability um, structural stability because if there's too much pore water pressure under there it can dislodge too much soil so the seepage path can actually become like a little river under there so to speak and then obviously you haven't got the same amount of structural um, soil like consolidated soil for the structure to be sitting on mm. and that means it will either sink or in the case of a dam wall it will topple mm. because the, the the soil underneath it will rotate with the seepage path mm. and the, the the whole wall will just topple and um, that sounds terrifying that could be catastrophic yeah downstream yeah. so that was really interesting yeah i, I really enjoyed really cool. learning about that <laughs> yeah wow <laughs> so i mean it might not be interesting to anyone else but i yeah. found it pretty cool yeah yeah i guess I just come off um, Red School where I presented my research, but part of that was listening to other people's uh, presentations. That's always fun, eh? Oh, it was fun and, yeah, (laughs) sitting there for six hours is like, ugh. But some of the topics were were definitely interesting. So I'm a surveyor, so, uh, like, accuracy and different effects on GPS was something that was uh, interesting that I learnt. But the last practical interesting thing that I learnt was uh, how to land the aeroplane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is very practical. Yeah, very you practical. want to know how to do that. Yeah. yeah, no, it was pretty good. It was a good feeling. Yeah, preferably without any passengers yet. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You're, you're Apart from the instructor, all, right? Yeah, yeah. You're going real solo. Oh, yeah, soon. Or his anxiety in the corner there was just bubbling over. He couldn't yeah. contain it. Yeah. <laughs> He's the first one I'm taking up. Yeah. <laughs> what have I got myself into? This. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's cool. cool, Steve. That's yeah. Awesome. Uh, but for me, it's a definitely a left field one. While I was laying this floor down here, I was listening to a, an audiobook, and it was on uh, the or name of the audiobook is called "Called to Create," and it talks about people who create and like that re- the relationship 
between creation and the, the person and our relationship then to God sort of thing. It was, it's a really interesting book. But there's a lot of case studies of people who have allowed their faith to shape their business at, or, or their, you know, creating whatever it is they're known for. And one thing he said, and like one of the most devout Christian business owners in history was Arthur Guinness, mm-hmm. as in Guinness... Well, Book of World Records. No, no. Liquor. as in liquor, as oh, in the yeah. beer, right? <laughs> right. And I, I thought, okay, wait, I'm going to hold on a second. Why like, did all of you go there straight away? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when I heard that, like, I was quite surprised. I'm thinking, okay, so why was like the the owner or the, or the originator or creator of a, of a beer company like, held up as this Christian figure? Well, in that time in Ireland, uh, drinking water was really dangerous because it was so it was not clean water. It wasn't you know, regulated the way it is now. And so he was trying to figure out a way. The, the standard way to purify your drinking water per se was to get gin, right? And so people were drinking large amounts of alcohol because it wasn't safe to drink the, most of the water. And obviously the problem, when they figured that out, they started drinking more. And then that created virtually a nation where alcoholism was one of the the biggest problems the nation was facing. And so he was thinking, how do I love my fellow man? How do I help them? And he realized that he's, I know how to make beer and that is way less alcohol than the gin that they're drinking. So I can try to, I can get them uh, something that they can drink so they can be safe, which is much lower alcohol content. And so that was what he built his business on. And within a few years, like his, that family was one of the most successful uh, or richest families in the, in the nation. But um, like he paid his workers like 20% above market rates. And, you know, if you're, and like, as you got like closer down to, to, to modern time, like more modern era, if you work for them, they paid you, they didn't require you to put in anything for like superannuation or whatever. They paid your, your retirement. They paid for all healthcare. They paid for all dental. They, they paid for massage, like everything wow. that those people needed and their families needed. The company just looked after it. No questions asked. And, uh, and that was his way and like his grandson and his grandson, like that was their way of, of living out their faith, not just by pr- providing a product that helped the health of the nation from their perspective, but by b- acting as God would have them act toward their employees and being a positive force in their life and mentoring them and stuff. And I was like, I did not expect that. <laughs> I really did not expect that. So. Yeah, that is pretty cool, actually. Mm. Mm. There was lots of really good examples in that book. So, But anyway, that's uh, going off on a tangent like way over there so <laughs> let's get back over here so the this particular topic that we're talking about tonight uh, i just want to give a shout out to courtney she, you've probably heard her name on a number of recent episodes because she is just an idea machine courtney thank you we appreciate it but the yeah the idea was she was talking about with all of the restrictions with covid and and all of these things that the the world is dealing with this question of yeah, how do we how do we agree to disagree? There's so many passionate perspectives on on any side of any fence that there's it, there's always someone that we could be up against if we so chose, right? And so the question is, how do we handle that as as Christians? How do we approach agreeing to disagree? So mm. I'm very conflicted about this one because mm. I, I f- you and everyone else, yeah, <laughs> like because this is this is one of the things that that I, I struggle with, but probably not in a way that you may necessarily imagine. Uh, like, I think this is where I think personality differences is going to play a key role into this. Because for me, I'm very conflict-averse. So I will naturally default in trying to find 
the, the, the middle ground by, 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 by nature. Cause I don't, not because like I'm trying to do the Christian things because mm. I just don't want to <laughs> yeah. go into a spa with you if I don't have to. So yeah. <laughs> just, just being honest, like that's, that's, um, that's got, that's in a way that coming from a different angle, if you like, that's one way I, I may struggle with. And I think it's, sh- it should be something that we should try and find a middle ground towards to when we're discussing this, mm. this issue. Cause I think we can go to either extreme um, and I think, yeah, it'd be good that throughout our discussion, if we can find some kind of intersect where you, you, we can agree to disagree and not worry about, you know, the, the consequences per se of doing either falling into either side of the gutter, if you yeah. like. Are you suggesting this is going to be an example of agreeing to disagree? <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope so. Yeah. We would have to find something adequately controversial that we would disagree on. (laughs) I think he's suggesting that that talking about this is going to be enough. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Because we're probably going to approach it differently. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that that there's beauty in in differences, Hmm. especially in this context of, you know, differences in opinion, differences in perspective, because I think what, what we see in our, like, lives, our perspective is very narrow, it's very focused, and um, you know, if we're honest, it's very biased, right? Um, and so for us to be able to have a, a more whole perspective of any given subject, we need to allow input from other people, from their perspectives. Um, so like, for example, you, you, you mentioned, you know, what's making this really relevant at the moment is the COVID situation, and particularly, uh, at least here in Australia, because we're a little bit behind the times, um, the vaccine question, right? And I think that what's really interesting about the way that many people are approaching this is that um, they're only listening to people that share their perspective. Mm. Um, whereas I, the way I would like to approach the situation, I haven't done it yet because I haven't had time to consider the whole situation, but the way I would like to approach it when I have a little bit more time is to, to hear perspectives from across the board. Um, I think it's really important to hear from the science community on mm. a question that's scientific in nature. Mm. And so in that corner as well would be that the medical you know, field, hearing what they have to say. I think it's also important for me to listen to, to people that I might not necessarily align with mm. um, on the other side of the coin as well to hear mm. what they're saying. Um, because the thing is, no matter how far on either side of, of the middle ground people fall, um, there's generally an element of truth to what they believe, mm. which is what makes it believable. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that element of truth can sometimes be hard to find because mm. it can be cloaked in some pretty mm. c- <laughs> c- creative... Um, <laughs> well phrased, well phrased. Yeah, yes. let's go with creative uh, perspectives. Mm. But the thing is that gen- generally, um, you know, to believe something, it has to be at least somewhat believable. Mm. And so I think it's really important to hear all of the perspectives and, and come at it from a, a perspective of of trying to be to be diligent trying to to show some discernment in the decision that you make based on a a variety of inputs because Mm. the thing is if i only listen to people who share my perspective i'm only becoming more and more ingrained in believing what i already believe and so Mm. it's only supporting my bias Mm. right whereas if i if i'm willing to listen to somebody else with a different bias it's letting a little bit of light in from someone else's perspective Mm. which may shine you know on the error of my own ways or it may confirm the position that I've taken. Mm. I think if the position you've taken is, is good and right, we shouldn't be afraid of other people's perspectives because yeah. it should be able to stand up to it. Mm. And if we are afraid of other people's perspectives, just my opinion, but I think that indicates that we're not as sure about what we believe as what we think we are. Mm. And, and that, that's fun. To me, that's, I wish everyone could 
could share that. Mm. But to, to be honest, a lot of us, we've been dealt a bad blow because we have actually, we, we live in a society where we can easily be stuck in our own echo chambers. Yeah. Like, it, like society is built in a way where it, it, it kind of exacerbates that. It exacerbates the, um, the, the idea of you just listening to your own point of view when you have YouTube suggestions where they're only going to show you things mm. that, yep. that are reflective. The algorithm is, is strategically designed. And it's completely built against that idealistic framework mm. in that it's going to show you the, the, the videos that's going to align with your own personal mm. belief and you know and, and all the platforms are doing that mm-hmm. and i think yeah so we've kind of been we're, we're kind of in the back foot already yeah yeah and so i think that's you said mm. you you would love to see everybody take that perspective how do you address that issue yourself or right? how do you try to find other perspectives other than the one that the algorithm's trying to feed you mm-hmm. well i have to be very intentional i have to go out of my way to actually like first of all just being being available yeah just speaking to as many different people as possible Mm. not like i think just being in a position where you're not just hanging out with the same people who believe the same thing Mm -hmm. and i think as long as you're engaging in society that's that's available to you yeah like you know you don't have to be like you know trying to you know join every single uni club you can just to, just to do that you're just being just going into the workforce just stepping out into 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 you know, just some kind of um out of your comfort zone affords you that opportunity to just listen to people's different perspectives mm. and you and you learn how to you later develop the skills mm. in learning how to kind of deal with different opinions because mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna meet them mm. yeah it's not gonna be hard yeah and also i guess trying to just switch off every now and then from those echo chambers and actually making an intentional effort into looking for other sources that may not always align with your preconceived values mm. yeah so it's yeah one thing that i uh, i have found from in my experience is that in order for me to have more appreciation for somebody else's perspective that's different from mine, I often need to know the person. It's not just a case of knowing the techniques of what they're saying to me, but I want to know who they are because that informs a lot about what I hear. You know, like as an example, if I'm talking to somebody and, you know, just to make it like something that's relevant, right? Like if we're talking to somebody that is, um, let's say, they are really vocally against the COVID, COVID vaccine, let's say. Okay, so that's something that's like hot in the, in the media right now. If, if I'm talking to someone who is really, really uh, passionate and like violently opposed to it, I could think, well, you know, this person is, uh, you know, uh, aligning themselves with these people that are teaching X, Y, Z, right? The, this, this agenda. Or if I happen to know that they had, uh, you know, someone who had a... a serious vaccine reaction and their spouse just died from it then i'm going to filter how they say completely differently right like you have to understand that that person is responding that way because of experiences that they've had and so when you know the people behind the opinion the opinions make way more sense and when it while ever we we reduce individuals to a one or two dimensional picture of what they actually believe without taking into consideration who they are i think we end up misunderstanding and misapplying what they're saying so so the way that you do that hmm. on a practical level yes. or the way that i do that on a practical yeah. level i should say um is by stopping talking 
and listening. Yeah, just listening mm-hmm. to to what they're saying because yeah. I think most of the time people who have a, a strong opinion mm. uh, will share not only the what but also the why yeah. with you. Mm. Um, if, if they're passionate enough about it, they're going to want to, to mm. you know express their motivation as well, which is mm. I guess where you're coming from yeah. with what you're saying there, mm. understanding the motive. And I think the other thing that's important um, along that same uh, train of thought that you were just sharing, Luke, uh, is that. Uh, when somebody shares a perspective that's different than yours, it's very easy to pop them in a box, um, assuming that you therefore know that person entirely based on the limited information that you've heard from them. Mm. And as you were saying, we could be completely wrong about the box we've placed them in. But because we've placed them in that box, we now look at them as though that's what they are. We categorize them that way. Um, and I think it's really unhelpful to do that because people are more complex than that, full stop. You know, I don't think there's ever going to be a t- an appropriate time, in my opinion, to put, to put somebody in a box of, of categorization or labeling. I think we should, just, we should always be open to the fact that people are nuanced, full stop. You know? that there is always going to be details. There is always going to be something that's going to give you that level of understanding that you were talking about, Luke which makes their perspective um, more valuable, makes their perspective uh, make more sense. Um, and it makes it, for me, a lot more understandable. Um, and the, the, the thing is, from a personal perspective, what that does is it takes judgment out of the equation, right? Whereas if you pop them in a box and you think you know everything about them just because of some little thing that they've said, you're going to judge them based upon who they are in your opinion, right? Whereas if you recognize that you don't know (laughs) who they are and you never will fully know who they are and you'll never be able to fully categorize them, you can never judge them, right? And that's not our job to do. So I think that's that's critical that we don't ever get to that place where we feel like we know somebody else's opinion and and their thoughts (laughs) better than they do. Yeah. And I think that that tendency to, to, to judge others, I think unless we go above and beyond our, our comfort zone, it's so easy to, to withdraw to that. Yeah. I'm just showing and just giving an example. Like I remember when I was in my previous rotation where it was really intense and very, there are a lot of people with very um, strong personalities. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they can be quite sharp and they can be quite direct. And it's like, man, like, you know, didn't your mother tell you anything <laughs> about nanas? And then, and then like, I, I stopped that thing and I said, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go above and beyond what they're going to ask. I'm going to go, okay, that, this is what you want. All right, fine. Let's do that. Yeah. And then, and then when you when you make that step and then you end up you know find being in a situation where okay you're having dinner with that person like the, the one person that I was ha- I ended up having dinner with was the one who actually had a bit of a spa early on in my in my in my term and that was yeah. so out of character for me to, to do that yeah. I, I was like like how, how dare you do that like what gives you the right to be saying that and I'm just I caught myself man I'm turning into one of them now <laughs> but then like you know you have dinner with them yeah. and it's like they're like a completely different person it's like wow so that's where you're coming from that, that this is where you're mm-hmm. you know that's how you grew up this is where your family experiences this is how you got to where you are yeah okay now I understand mm-hmm. Uh, this is systemic, though, because when when we grow up, you know, you hear the narrative from the, the adults that are around you of, well, you know, this person. And I mean, to a degree, I get it because, you know, I, I mean, I've got kids. I, I know that 
it's very hard for a child to understand the tension between someone doing bad things and being a bad person versus, you know, a good person that does bad things. And like, you know, there's so many, you know, how do you explain motive and all of the, all of those things to a child that doesn't, not old enough to grasp all of the moving parts just yet. So it's easy to just, you know, demonize some people and, and you know, I was going to say angelify, that's not a word. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but my, now. <laughs> put that <laughs> Mary Webster put this in the next edition um, but if we do if we do that right we we then set them up to be in a position where they polarize the world around them mm. and that's something that I, I try to avoid doing I mean it sets four now and so he understands a lot more and so when somebody has made a bad decision that he becomes aware of or something like that I try to explain to him and he doesn't get it fully but I figure if I keep trying to explain it correctly, he'll get it eventually, right? He may not get it now. He might get it in a couple of years' time, but I'm hoping that he, will, I'll create a narrative for him where nobody is black and white, mm. where he, he'll, he'll be able to understand that. And I, I think we, um, especially culturally, right? Like, you know, from the, in especially the um, early 20th century, you know, those ideas of uh, good guys and bad guys and the, the narrative that I guess is built around a lot of the wars and the reason that that's done is for that for the purpose of war, right? So you can keep the morale of the home nation high and, you know, you can keep going and, you know, fighting the enemy and, and winning the war. You have to create, you know, demonize the other party in order to do that. And I think those ideas get carried over all too easily. And so the challenge for us now is to you know, untangle that for ourselves. Hmm. That, that, that's quite a confronting thought when you were mentioning about, you know, bringing like almost like the historical context of why disagreements mm. occur. It's because mm. a lot of that you're referring to, like I'm thinking about all the propaganda mm. that was like, you know, instituted at that time yeah. that was very rampant and that yeah. was kind of like normalized. Mm. And it's like, man, do we sometimes propagandize other people when we, when we fail to disagree with people properly? Do we create our own false narratives or own propaganda per se like yeah. that, that's kind of confronting to think that it is that we could be we could seep so low mm. like yeah that, that scares me to be honest like, yeah. when you say that, I was like oh wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> same humanity now as it was then mate. <laughs> yeah 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 and we like that because it takes effort and energy right yeah. it's effort and energy to think clearly about these things it's very easy just to like you say, just propagandize and, and like polarize the conversation. Oh, well, this person's bad. This person's good. We're all good. Yeah, it's, it's intellectually so much easier. And so, of course, we want to do that. We're lazy. We're intellectually lazy at, mm. at, a, at a core level. Mm. Mm. So, I, I feel like transition is in order. Yes. Um, so, let's say we've done our best yes. to understand another person's perspective, mm. but we still disagree with them. Mm -hmm. How do we have that conversation? Uh, first of all, I think it's important that we lay a bit of like a, a framework like so i think it's important to have an understanding of time and place mm. like i really i really think that's important like i think before we even that's a good even call. think of yeah. how yeah. to approach this i think okay is this how do, how does this fit in this time and this place and time mm. um, well, i just said both things at the same time but you guys know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, and i think it's important because like if if you're attending a funeral of someone who was just an absolute nuisance you know it's not the right time to be like 
Okay, this guy, oh, God, this guy was an absolute. <laughs> this guy was a douchebag, man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like when they're, when they're reading out the, you know, the, the, uh, from the pulpit, you know, yeah. like you're not going to be t- saying all the, the the undesirable characteristics of that person. You're gonna you're gonna at least soften that, yeah. <laughs> at the very least. Very <laughs> <And Pretty> much. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, in concert, if you're at a board meeting, a church board meeting, or a business board meeting, like if you're not sparring with one another, it's like you're wasting your time. Hmm. Like, what are you doing there? Like, you may as well not have Basically, the meeting. Basically, in, yeah, in that scenario, the, the, uh, the strongest personalities in the room just make the decisions. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Exactly, and that's, and yep. that's pointless. Yeah. Yeah, so I think time and place is important. And yeah. place and time. That's why we miss having you at board meetings, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I literally was almost coming to the last one. Hey? Were you? Yes, I was. <laughs> the light in your eyes when you said that. It's <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, you were going to say something. So. Yeah, yeah, that just made me think of a story, or right? And I agree, that's, that's a great starting place. Um, I was recently on a mission trip, and one of the blokes beside me was asked to say grace, and he'd left his cap on, and... Um, he started saying prayer and one of the old older guys who was um, he wasn't part of the mission trip but he lives in the Torres Strait and helps minister to the people there he interrupted the prayer took the hat off the guy praying um, and then like let him continue like you know the guy was like what the heck and then you know he kept praying so yeah, like time and place, like whoa, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. like he he overstepped, but also the reaction was was what I appreciated because like there's two like wearing a hat while you're praying, like there's kind of like obvious like you either think it's okay or you think it's not okay, mm. um, and the guy praying obviously didn't want to offend anyone, but didn't think it was not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably but, didn't even think of it, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I have to say grace, I'll quickly say grace. But yeah, he yeah. didn't He didn't stop and turn around and just well, throttle the guy. <laughs> he finished the prayer, waited until everyone continued, and then he turned around and he didn't throttle him, but he certainly gave him like, Piece you know, one. that is completely unacceptable. Again, for the same reason, like time and place. Mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of prayer, cowboy, and you just interrupted <laughs> like, 40 people mm. in like yeah. what we're doing like not yeah. appropriate so yeah i thought that that was a really good point yeah. which uh, you know it does beg the question though when is the right mm. time and place to disagree with someone mm. and mm. i think that's a heavily nuanced question so we're not gonna be able to answer it mm. black and white mm-hmm. um, but, but give me some scenarios well i was just about to say i think this is a perfect scenario as in, w- I disagree. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess my point is, especially when you have relationship with the person, right? Okay. I think that is the. I think that is a key. If you are in right relationship with them, then you should feel a degree of comfort in disagreeing and, mm-hmm. and wrestling and pushing pushing back against things that they say. Even if it's not an argument, when they say something, if you if you disagree, the the freedom to say, oh, you know, like you know, I'm going to push against that, <laughs> is healthy. And I think in uh, in that in that friendship scenario, and obviously not when you're like in front of a bunch of people or whatever, that is definitely the appropriate. Uh, a more appropriate setting yeah and and the better you know someone the more it necessitates you to like facilitate disagreement better yeah but yep. it also increases the amount of disagreement you're going to have mm. yes so if you don't have this sorted you're going to be disagreeing a lot and poorly <laughs> and the relationship is going to break down yeah mm. well just to take this to like another like another place you could say i think, I think about marriage and when i, I mean I, I can resonate with you already because my default setting is is conflict diverse right 
And when I first got married, I did my very best to avoid conflict full stop. Always. At all costs. At all costs. Exactly. With anybody. <laughs> Doesn't matter who. Not, not happening. And in doing that, I, I set myself up for way too much pain, right? There was a ridiculous amount of pain associated with that. But I... Something that always stuck out in my head, there was a, a, I don't even remember what the material was, but there was some kind of marriage seminar that was being run at, at church in Harvey Bay. It was years ago. But, I, but one of the things that really stood out in my mind was about this study that was done that couples, that they actually put couples in houses and like recorded their interactions with each other. And the and they analyzed the, the psychological characteristics of each couple and how they worked together and which marriages were better and why and all those sort of things. And the thing that stood out in my mind that he, that was mentioned in that presentation is that if the person sorry the couples that are more likely to disagree with each other in, as in in a healthy way not just screaming at each other but the people that have low tolerance for bad behavior have far happier marriages than the people that are the most accommodating mm-hmm. and i thought oh, that, that's like, <laughs> i don't like that <laughs> you're wrong yeah you must be yeah you're wrong i've been married for like three weeks and you're wrong like, but um that's something that, like, as you know, Sarah and I's mar- as our marriage has gone on, you know, been, been married almost eight years. Uh, I got to the place where I started being a lot more intentional about that, and I can see it getting more, more and more so. And I mean, I don't know how how she necessarily thinks about it, but from from my perspective, I rather than when something happens that I disagree with. In the past, I would just go, I'll just ignore that or sweep it under the carpet and deal with it later. But now I'm much more likely to to stop and say, well, actually, that's not very fair for these reasons. And I make it a, a, and I think this is applicable everywhere, not just in a marriage scenario, but I go to great lengths to make sure it it is outside of emotion. Like nothing is said while emotion is hot. It is Mm -hmm. said from a place of, come and let's talk about this and let's do it in the best way possible. And I think that's a good general rule. Whenever one of these conversations has to be had, if we're, at least my perspective, if we're doing it in a really hostile emotional setting, then it almost in every case does more damage than it does good. I can can definitely concur with all that because if, Tip for myself disagree with all the time. Hmm. Some stuff it's a case of it doesn't matter, so we can agree that we're not going to ever agree on that. Mm-hmm. But other times it's a case of it's just a matter of working it through the problem until we find a compromise that works for us both. Because as you said, it's a, it's a case of if once you're you're both actually sitting there saying, well. I need this in this situation and your partner says, well, I need this in this situation. You can actually eventually work through and find a compromise that not only works for both of you, but then creates harmony. Mm. Whereas if you hadn't brought that up, there's no harmony there. You're both unhappy. You're both unhappy and you're both just going to end up resenting the situation down the track. It's just going to create disagreements down the track and bad feelings. And I mean, and while I don't disagree with any of that, I think that it would also be naive of us to think that there's never a situation where two needs are mutually exclusive. Mm. And I think that's the same, or, or you know, beliefs are mutually exclusive because there's this the, there's this thing that happens, and I mean, it happens in marriages. But I mean, I think the bigger the bigger question that we need to answer here, um, as far as agreeing to disagree, is 
where, and I think you put this language around it earlier before we started recording, that where does truth fit into this, right? I mean, it, it's all good and well for us to listen to the other person, but what happens when they what what they believe or the way they think has a real and legitimate effect on us and mm. there is truth to be dealt with somewhere in here and you can't both be right, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's two mutually exclusive ideas here that we can't affirm both of them. So then what do we do when we reach an impasse? <laughs> I think respect would be the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Having a humble attitude. Yeah. Humility. Humility, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't go wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to highlight, this is something that was Jesus' expectation as mm-hmm. well. Like, I know we're talking in a broader context, yeah. but in John chapter 17, that was one of Jesus's, mm. like, I, like, his dream. Yeah. I feel like, like that, was, that was like, if you want to talk about G- um, someone's desires of their heart or prayer requests, that was literally Jesus' prayer request was that in the future, like, people will come in, in unity. And this is anticipating that there'll be such a diverse people groups in the world with yeah. different backgrounds and personalities. Mm. Yeah, so this is something that it can be done, mm-hmm. but I think it yeah it starts with yeah just being being humble, mm-hmm. and you're yeah, being willing to to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Unity doesn't doesn't negate diversity though. You know, if you think about Peter and Paul as an example of that in the mm. New Testament, um, they weren't unified in everything that they thought mm. or did. Mm. They butted heads so much, right? Mm. But they were in unity mm. as a whole. Yeah. And I think so. It's I think it's important mm. that we don't mix those things up. You know, yeah. that we don't need to, that we don't need to feel like we have to agree with people on everything mm. to remain there. You know, brothers in Christ or yeah. whatever it happens to mm. be. Oh, I mean, yeah. it, it, I know it, that's not what you were saying, but just a bit of a nuance to yeah. to what you were saying. Because mm. um, what was the um, the series we did? Five things the um, the church got wrong. Mm. And if you go back, three, but yeah, um, three things. Uh, I'll, I'll, or was no, five, it was five five divisive topics or whatever it was. Oh yeah, so, the most div- yeah most divisive topics. If you listen through those, um, I think there was a bit, there was definitely five different opinions on each just about each of the subjects there. <laughs> yeah, at the table, we yeah. we didn't agree with um, hardly any of it. Mm. So it's a it's a case of well, a couple of them we did, but the point is, mm. we were here at the table. We we're all brothers in Christ, but we were able to disagree. Mm. And even though we couldn't agree with things at the end, we could um, still have those conversations. Yeah. Just want to take a step back from your question, Luke. So you were asking, you know, what happens when there's an area that we can't, you know, we can't agree on. Mm. We've established that fact. Um, I just wanted to go back to what you guys were saying about relationship and you were saying it was really important to have a context with the person that you're disagreeing with that Mm. helps with that disagreement, Mm. makes it more comfortable, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't mean always that just because you have a relationship with someone that that there's that that means that any time and any place is okay. And I think you guys oh, were yeah. kind of saying oh, yeah, that, yeah. but I just wanted to make that a little bit more explicit. Yeah, you know, just because you love someone uh, doesn't make it okay to to call them out, you know, at an inappropriate time and place. Yeah, time um, and place is so important. Yeah, so that's still important even without a relationship. Uh, sorry, even with a with, relationship yeah. with the person with whom you're disagreeing. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. And then coming back to your question of, you know, how, how do we dis- disagree uh, disrespe- uh, disrespectfully? <laughs> disagree <easy>. respectfully. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's, it's really important that in Philippians, Paul says, uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And he disagreed with pretty much everybody, right? Because 
he was right (laughs) and they were all wrong to some level, right? Yeah. Um, but he was able to communicate uh, with all of them with a degree of, of, of poise and respect mm-hmm. and and was able to demonstrate love for them even when communicating disagreement or disapproval. Mm-hmm. Um, like even the harshest conversations, for example, you know, you think of Matthew 24 is probably right up there. Uh, 20, no, 23 is right up there where it's, yeah. you know, woe to the woe Pharisees to yeah. with this, 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 this. You know, he's just on and on and on again mm-hmm. about all of the things the Pharisees are doing wrong. Um, but that's after, you know, a good three years of ministry mm. where he's trying to enlighten them. He's giving himself for them and the church, mm. you know, consistently showing that he cares about them and their future mm. before he, he sort of mouths off at them, so to speak. And I know that's a bit, you know, crass to say of, of Jesus, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's really important to, to consider, you know. G- Jesus had a way of approaching people and, and that should obviously be the standard. Um, but yeah, as to like the, the intricate details of that, uh, I don't know, open to you guys to explore that more. But I think that should be the platform that we build on. And of course, there's humility there and, and there's respect there. But what else? Mm. Oh, my, my, my father always said that always listen intently and always take something out of no matter who that person is, where they're from, where their education background is. Yeah. Always, there's always something that you can learn from. Mm. And I think if only if we had that attitude, mm-hmm. if only if we had that approach to, to conversations. Mm-hmm. And because the fact is, whether we realize it or not, there's always some truth. And I think it was alluded to it early on in our conversation, mm-hmm. that there's always some truth um, among what people say, even yeah. if you don't d- agree with it completely. Yeah. There's always a little bit of truth. And I think we should make our best effort to find that slither of truth mm-hmm. that's in there mm-hmm. and, and build on that. And it just um, and this is kind of a, a weird verse to, to bring out, but it's kind of dealing with you know when you have some contentions with your adversary and stuff like that. Mm. But it's very practical. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, mm. verse 25, 26, it says, "Agree with your adversary quickly, while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. Mm. The judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison." This is a very like pragmatic way of dealing with disagreements <laughs> but it's like look it's 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 in your prudent interest to find like you know re- reach an agreement reach a settlement here mm. you know even if you know s- s- some things you know you've burnt some bridges or whatever like make an effort to do that because there are consequences to that mm. and it may not be as dire as getting thrown into prison but you can lose a contact you can lose an opportunity to learn something from that person and i think we should try and just make that decisive effort to look there's there's got to be something in there that what they're saying in, is 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 either some little bit of truth or maybe even profound that you may not have realized and if we allow that ourselves to be open to that i think wonders will happen mm. honestly yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, i definitely agree with that the um i was just thinking um over we should begin where um where we have common ground with people because when you be- begin there it, it helps us to be able to see them as um as people and like we're talking about developing a relationship with people is so important because if you understand where they're coming from and where they're going then you can understand um, their point of view and if we start at that place of commonality then you basically it sets the tone for the rest of the conversation of course the real key is finding that mm. and that means listening long enough um, in order to find it mm. um, I think uh, Another thing that we maybe been skirting around the edges of mm-hmm. um, is like the way in which we communicate things is really important. Mm-hmm. So, like 
I mean, it's not infrequent to disagree with people, right? Mm-hmm. Or am I the only one? Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. I mean, I find plenty of opportunities mm. where I'm like, I mean, you could be right, but I'd be very wrong if you are. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Isn't that all like, engineers? <laughs> <laughs> There's a funny sign in my work I'll tell you about later. Um, <laughs> Anyway, um, but w- what, I, what I like to try to think uh, when disagreeing with somebody, especially if it's a very sort of sh- sharp disagreement, like it's not, like it's hard to find common ground. Like you were just yeah. tra- talking about trying to find that common ground already. Like when it's really hard to find the common ground, I think the way that I like to communicate the disagreement is, is not a, well, here's how you're wrong. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like really bluntly state you're wrong and I'm right. I think that um, obviously the person is going to be straight on the defensive if you take that approach. Mm. Um, but to, to share, to say, well, look, that's that's fantastic. That's your perspective, but here's mine. And and just to offer it as a perspective, um, not as, you know, the, the right answer, you know, the solution to all of life's problems. Yeah, you're not attacking Call that. me when you've got another question. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not like that arrogant position, but, but one of, you know, genuine, like, you know, like, thank you for sharing your perspective. Here's my perspective. Take it or leave it. You know, I'll, I'll often go as far as to say that to people, you know, you know, take it or leave it. I'm just offering you my perspective. You don't need to believe it. You don't need to agree with me. That's fine. Um, but, the, but this is the way I think about the situation. Yep. Um, and then when, when sharing my perspective, I think it's important to have evidence, <laughs> you know, not to just have an opinion. Like, especially if you're going to go as far as to disagree with someone, hmm. um, make it that there's a reason for that disagreement, not just because, you know, my opinion's different than yours. Um, and so, like, I think, uh, I think going back to university has been really helpful for me in that sense because it's given me, I guess, a, a platform uh, to, to see that perspective through because, like, I guess coming out of school and, and just going straight into life, I didn't really see too much critical evaluation going on outside of maybe myself and my church. But to see that there are a lot of secular people who, who critically evaluate their decisions, um, you know, through the university there has been really good because it, it, it gives you that, I guess, understanding that people want to make the right choice. And when they say something or when they have an opinion that's different than yours, generally they've got a basis for their opinion. Hmm. And so I think it's only fair that we also share the basis for our opinion, not just, not just put it out there. And so uh, I was reading this book a while ago, uh, Evangelism in a Skeptical World uh, by Sam Chan, and I, I found some of the thoughts in there really interesting. So one of the things that he talks about a lot in there is how to, to reach people in the postmodern world. And uh, I really enjoyed the fact that he didn't oversimplify what postmodernism is. Um, he, he really looked at postmodernism as an opportunity, whereas I think a lot of the times we see postmodernism as like, the oh, enemy. Well, they're, they're lost, mm. you know? Yeah. That they, they don't believe in any solid truth, and so therefore it's, it's almost useless to try and communicate with them. But, see, that's based on an assumption that, that postmodernism believes that there is no such thing as truth, that everyone has a perspective, and that's, that's great. Right? Well, we're really what postmodernism, the, the, the impetus behind postmodernism is that you should question everything. Right? And, and I think, as a Christian, that's the perspective that we should have. Right? When we come to the Bible, 
We shouldn't just be reading it blindly, believing it blindly. We should question it. We should un- we should understand why we believe what we believe. Mm-hmm. And so whenever God encourages sharing, that. Yeah. Yeah. And so whenever sharing, sorry, it's been a little bit long-winded, guys. But whenever sharing something with somebody that is a point of disagreement, I always feel it's important that you share the evidence for your perspective. Mm-hmm. And like full circle, coming back to the COVID vaccine situation, I don't want to make a decision on that until I've had opportunity to evaluate the evidence. Right. I don't want to just listen to some conspiracists and believe what they say, mm. nor do I want to just listen to, sorry, Ori, but a doctor <laughs> and believe <laughs> what they say blindly. Right. Right. Yeah, you want to understand the nuts and bolts before you, right. before you build up the idea. Right. Mm. And I think it's only fair then that when we are disagreeing with someone that we present that, mm. not just, oh, I think you're wrong. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but if we, if we apply that single filter, I honestly think that would kill probably 85% of the disagreements that happen. Because, at least in my experience, most of the people that have disagreements readily... Uh, it's not based on information. Not based on information. Or if it is, it's like third-hand information that hasn't been evaluated. It's, yeah. it's something that they've heard, a YouTube video they've watched, or you know yeah. something a single person has told them, but there's been no due diligence done. Yeah. And yeah. I've got to admit, this might be... This might be one of those areas already that you and I disagree on because I might be a little bit more harsh than you are. But uh, when somebody's sharing a perspective with me that seems uneducated, mm. I'll call them out on that, you know, mm. and I'll say, how do you know that? You know, mm. where, did you, where did you get that information from that you're sharing with me as though it's truth? Mm. Um, maybe not quite that bluntly, but you get the point, right? The principle. And, and I don't know whether you guys agree with me on that, but I find that that is, is helpful for them. Um, you know, that's the way I approach information. Um, but not everyone does. And to give them opportunity to see that their argument might be a little bit of a, a straw man, mm. I feel is an opportunity for them to grow as a person. Yeah. Time and place, definitely. But um, yeah, given that, that time and place being okay, I think that that's, personally, I think that that's a good good yeah. way to yeah. deal with conflict as well. Yeah, because I was actually thinking about when you were talking about sharing your perspective in that i was thinking um when often when i'm evaluating another person's perspective one of the things i i this is something i have to do very intentionally because we all have that natural reaction of no you're wrong yeah <laughs> but especially you yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I am very disagreeable you know i love you mate but, <laughs> but you are <laughs> we both we all know that i will take the devil's advocate even even though, if you don't agree with it yeah yeah yeah, I can completely agree with you and I will still disagree with you just for the sake of um, arguing. Yeah. But oh. <laughs> <laughs> Steve's like one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but what I like to do is actually ask of how to, it's a case of how do you make that work? If I see a problem in um, somebody, what somebody's talking about, I'll ask, well, how do you make that work? And because it's a little less confrontational, it's something I've been trying to do more. <laughs> and it's a, and basically then you can actually see it. You present the problem that you're having with their argument and then it gives them a chance to give you a solution. Yeah. And if they give you a solution, you have a chance of going, ah, so I was wrong. Or if they can't, it's a case of, okay, so I might be the one who's right here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a better way to say that (laughs) (laughs) would be to say, maybe you should go and look into that more. (laughs) But you get that what I'm saying is asking questions is a wonderful way of getting to the bottom of um, whether the truth somebody's presenting is 
truth. Yeah. Yeah. And can I, can I just take this in a slightly different direction? Is that okay? Yeah, I feel like we're I feel like we've yeah, I feel like we're the point. So, so I, I just wanted to say like this carries over to evangelism as well, quite mm. obviously, but I want to make that point pretty strongly. Mm. Um, I think as a as a Seventh day Adventist myself, I have grown up with the perspective that I am right. And I need to convince everybody else why they are wrong, which is something that I've worked on for, for years now to try to correct. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that that mindset is one of the reasons why our evangelism is so ineffective. Mm-hmm. First of all, we need to be loving the people that we are communicating with. And that does not show love when, you know, you're coming out and saying you're wrong, right? We're very even if, militant, aren't we? Right. Even if, our, even if our motive is we want you to be right as well so that you can jo- enjoy all the benefits of being right. <laughs> <laughs> Arrogance um, plus plus. <laughs> even, if that, even if that's our motive is to try and help them genuinely, yeah. um, it's still not the right method, right? No. So then when coming to somebody who we disagree with on, from an evangelistic perspective... I think it's really important, again, not to have that that arrogance, that, that perceived arrogance at least, whereby we are indicating to them that we believe that there is no room for us to be wrong. Um, and so I like to communicate with people uh, myself with, again, that, that attitude of this is my perspective, this is the way I read scripture. I'm open to hearing how you read scripture as well, but let's, let's study it out together. Um, let's not be like, I'm right, you're wrong in either direction. Let's just share our perspectives and let's let scripture decide who's right and who's wrong. Yeah. Um, and also, let's also be willing for there to be some gray area where there might be a, a bit of both. You know, I might be a bit right and you might be a bit right. Maybe we both are ultimately wrong. But yeah, I think it's really important to, to have a different attitude uh, when communicating with people who believe differently than we do. And might I say, particularly those who, you know, we might have like a, a prophetic vendetta against, um, you know, like pe- people who we might, we might suggest the Bible identifies their religion specifically as uh, counterproductive, let's say. We should, we should have the same attitude with them as we would with somebody who's a genuine seeker for Christ, yep. I believe. Mm. Yeah, anyway, definitely. So just to start sort of tying these ends together, because I, I think we've, we've, um, if anyone has more to say, feel free, but just to bring some of these ends together. So we're saying essentially a lot of what we're talking about is basically separating the person from the argument. Yep. Mm. So understanding that they are an individual and their value is separate to the value of their, their statement that they're making, that we need to be, be humble with that. We need to um, know the time and the place and it's in the context of relationship where, mm-hmm. where that makes sense for us to have those conversations. We should be listening and we should be courageous in love, right? Like us just shutting up and not expressing a dissenting opinion doesn't actually help anybody. In fact, that damages both parties. So yeah, I was going to say, even ourselves, it doesn't help us. No, 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 that's exactly right. And by the way, that works in the micro as well as the macro. That works in a like a, an interpersonal relationship, but that also works, I think, at a societal level as well. A, a society that squelches all dissenting opinions, there's a name for that, yeah. <laughs> right? Cancelling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say totalitarian regime, but <laughs> sure, let's go with cancelling. <laughs> but you, you, like, I think that's the, 
that's a dangerous society, right? So I think we need to be careful about that at the, as I say, the macro and the micro level. But also, in addition to that, that we shouldn't be lazy thinkers. We should be, we should expect others to have well thought out evidence-based decision making, mm. but we should also expect the same of ourselves. Well, it's only fair to expect that of others if we yes. have that standard ourselves. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Intellectual honesty. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. that. I wanted to say it like the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just like, you're, you're sitting there like, shut up, guys. <laughs> I could have had this done in two words, man. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I just wanted to say as well, Luke, to something you were just saying before, if you, like Luke and Ore in particular, are the kinds of people who, who like to please people and who don't like to be in conflict, then I think it's even more important for you to share your opinion when you do differ yes. to someone than for someone who doesn't mind conflict because gen- generally the people who, who don't want to share their perspectives have a really well thought through <laughs> perspective because they've been ruminating on it for a long time and not saying anything, <laughs> right? And so I think if, if that's you, I, yeah, I would really encourage you, like you said, Luke, to be courageous obviously take all of the advice we've been giving along along with that but but be brave with your your perspective as well don't be afraid to put it out there because like at the end of the day it could it could really change someone's life for the better yeah so yeah i I just think it's really important that if that's if that's you identify yourself as that and be intentional about trying to look for opportunities to share Mm -hmm. what you think uh when you might not necessarily be comfortable doing it yeah i think that's applicable in evangelism too yeah, yeah, true yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, you may not have 100% of the answers, but it doesn't mean that your opinion is invalidated because of that. I mean, look at us. We get so much wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's one Bible verse that I've been itching to read out that I feel like it's like encapsulates all of the elements that we've mentioned. Go. It's like Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Oh, yeah. It says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So it's, it's that twofold balance aspects. Like they, were, they had readiness of mind, they were open, mm. they, were, they didn't shut, them, shut mm. off to, yeah. to new ideas, mm. but they were like, let's check this out if what they, what they said was actually legit. Let's, yeah. you know, let's do our own yeah. you know, investigating here. Mm-hmm. I think that's a perfect balance. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Great. Uh, well, does anyone have anything else? I think that's a great place for us to land. Does anyone have anything else they want to say? We're done. Okay. So, everybody, I want to thank you so much for uh, for joining us for this episode. If you enjoyed it, share it with a friend as usual. And we hope to see you guys next week for another another episode. So, until then, God bless. And that's the end of another episode. Just before I head off, I want to encourage you to go over to our page on Facebook and also our account on Instagram and follow us there because that is where we interact with our listeners and we would love for you to enter in and join the conversation. Also, while you're signing up, I would also recommend signing up to our mailing list on our website, oztabletalk.com.au. If you do that, you will receive our exclusive content because occasionally we do release exclusives and they only go out to our mailing list so i would strongly recommend you go and sign up for that if you have a few more minutes to be one of the most amazing listeners on the planet you can go over to itunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because reviews help us to grow and they help other people to find us so if you want to help us reach those goals please jump in and give us a review the final message that i'd like to leave you with is to let you know about our patreon account now 
Patreon is a way for creators to get paid for creating. And ultimately what we do does cost money to get us hosted and have the services that we need to run the podcast. And so if you'd like to help us do that, jump over onto patreon.com slash oztabletalk and you can you can give anything from even a dollar a month upwards. But at different levels, there are different benefits, different rewards that we want to give you just to say thank you for being an amazing supporter of ours. If you can't afford that, we would just gratefully accept your prayers because that is what our ministry runs on. And so with that, I will leave you to your day and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.